You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning. Welcome. Uh, my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new, if you're visiting us for the, uh, for the Christmas season, we are, uh, we're really glad that you came to be with us this morning. Uh, this week, uh, or last week, Pastor Matt uh, kicked us off into the series that's going to take us through the month of December by reminding us that this time of Christmas, as much as we, we focus on Jesus being born, uh, we don't want to overlook the fact that, that Jesus came. The fact that, that Jesus came and lived and he came with a purpose. And, and that doesn't mean that we're going to ignore the, the Christmas story. You know, we're not going to ignore the shepherds and the wise men and the angels and the reindeers and everything that you love about Christmas. Um, you guys picked that up. First service did not. 9.15 was not awake yet. Um, but what we're saying is that we don't want to just look at how Jesus came. We want to look at why Jesus came this Christmas. And so last week, Matt, he started us off by talking about the fact that Jesus is light, how Jesus came to shine light into the darkness and, and how because he came to shine light into the darkness, we don't have to be conquered by darkness in our lives anymore. And so this morning to help us, uh, help us get going where we're going, I'll start out just by asking this question. Who in here would like to know the future? You know, it's, it's a more complicated question than maybe sometimes we think. At first, everybody's like, well, yeah, I would, I would love to know. I'd love to know the future. I'd love to know what's going to happen. Unless it's going to be something bad. You know, if, I, if I'm going to my favorite restaurant, you know, for, for lunch after this, and I'm going to get food poisoning, I'm never going to want to eat there again. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Uh, you know, maybe it would be nice. Maybe I don't want to know, you know, all of the future. But, you know, if I could get, if I could get like a glimpse of the future, if we could just like pull the curtain back just a little bit, you know, I could, I could get little glimpses, you know, see a little, a little, a little taste of, of what's coming. And you know, these we actually do get. We get little glimpses of our future from time to time. Case in point, my son got a glimpse of his future about a week ago when he was sneaking around his mom and dad's room and found one of his Christmas presents that we hadn't wrapped yet. He got a little view of his future because he can't start playing with it yet. We're still going to wrap it up and hand it to him on Christmas morning and act like we're surprised that he got it. But he has seen his future. And he's probably not going to be surprised by it. <laughs> well, Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet of God whose prophecies were recorded and preserved for us in the Old Testament. And, and Isaiah, and, and you should know this about Isaiah and, and other prophets, most of the time in the Old Testament, the word prophecy doesn't automatically mean prediction. Like prophecy wasn't all that much talking about things that were going to be happening, you know, in the distant future. Most of prophecy, because of what prophets were, prophets were God's mouthpieces. They were, they were individuals that he chose to essentially stand up and speak truths about God. So what prophets would do is they would, they would get up and they would say, hey, everybody, we need to remember who God is. And, and we need to remember what it is that God says. And, and oh yeah, we need to keep in mind what happens whenever we do remember who God is and what he says and what happens whenever we don't. 
And so that's what the, that's what the prophets do. That was the, that was the function that they, that they served. And it's actually a very small percentage of the, of the Old Testament prophecy that's actually talking about anything that was outside of just the immediate time frame that the prophets were speaking and were writing in. And now I say that to tell you that the, the, the scripture we're gonna be looking at this morning, it's actually an exception to that rule. Because occasionally, rarely, from time to time, God would give his prophetic mouthpieces glimpses of the future. He would, he would pull the curtain back just a little bit and let them see just, just a, a, a tiny fraction of, of what was coming. And, and you might wonder, you know, why would he do this? Why would he, why would he show them pieces of the future? Well, usually he would do it because, uh, because war was imminent. You know, the, the, there, was, there, were, there were battles, bad things looked like they were coming on the horizon. And, you know, prices of food were probably, you know, skyrocketing because everybody was getting really nervous about the way things were going. And, and the people around, you know, nobody was, was honoring God with the way that they were living their lives. And, and, and their, their whole, it just seemed like their whole way of existence, everything that they had known from the time that they were little kids was just, was just changing. It was, all, it was all just coming to an end. It was all coming at them. So fortunately, it's nothing like the day and age that we live in. And so they, uh, they, they, were just, they, they would do this. And, and so God would give his prophets something. And he would say, just, just take a little look. And he would do it so that the prophets get in front of the people and say, God's got this. It doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing that you're, that you're reading that's going on in the newspaper that is going to change the fact that God has got this. And so maybe one of the, uh, one of the reasons, I don't know, that they did this, it's, it's like if you're having a really bad day, a really bad go of it, and somebody brings you, you know, they bring you into mom and dad's room and they, they say, you know what, I'm just gonna give you a little sneak peek at the presents because even though things are really bad right now, you can know that better days are coming. And that's what's happening here in Isaiah chapter nine. And, and in Isaiah nine, uh, where we're looking today, God revealed a little thing about the future, uh, this thing that the Old Testament people were looking forward to maybe more than anything else. He showed them a, a, a picture, a glimpse of the future Messiah. He showed, them, he showed them a glimpse of, of this person, of this individual who is coming to restore, who is coming to rule, to reign, and to bring the people back to God. It's a person that we know from our vantage point in history to be Jesus Christ. And, and he gives Isaiah this, this little view of him. And, and it's, it's this passage that even though it's not about, you know, angels and it's not about shepherds, it's still this incredibly, uh, incredibly used passage at Christmas time because even though it doesn't tell us about, you know, how Jesus was born, it tells us why he came. So if you will, you can look with me at Isaiah chapter nine, looking at verses six and seven. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. This is Jesus. This is why God sent his son to us. This is that true meaning of Christmas that all the characters and all of the Christmas specials that you're watching are trying to find. Jesus came so that we could talk about politics. 
Aren't you excited? I'm kidding, except for I'm not. Uh, so, you know, how you, we, we are a church, and you know how church is supposed to be a family, right? And some of you know that it just doesn't feel like that family holiday gathering until you, that one cousin brings up that political issue and makes everybody else feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cousin Todd. <clears throat> all, all kidding aside, I'm, I'm going to see if we can make this. Uh, I'm going to see if we can make this a real family, you know, a real family get together for a second. I'm going to see if I can raise everybody's collective blood pressure for just a minute. And, and I, I will ask this. I will ask that in the next minute or so, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a, a, a short exercise with us, and I'm gonna ask that if at some point during it, you feel led that you need to, to speak, that you need to say something out loud, I'll let you know that you're not being led to do that. I checked ahead of time, and you're not being led. <laughs> just making sure everybody knows. All right, here we go. Bear with me. Gun control. Immigration. Climate change. National anthem protests. Healthcare laws. North Korea. All right, I told myself I was going to go until somebody's pacemaker went off, but I think that's about, that's about enough. As you'll notice, I didn't, I didn't say a word on either side of any of those issues, and, and I didn't have to, to bring some of your blood pressure up a little bit. A lot of us in the room have, have some opinions, maybe some very strong feelings on one or more or maybe all of those issues. All of them are things that are being fiercely debated right now in the public arena, in the government, probably your Facebook wall right now if you checked. You know, I don't bring up any of those issues to start any debates today. Um, you're going to walk out of here. You're not going to know my thoughts or feelings about any one of them. The reason that I raise these issues, along with our blood pressure, is to point out something that you are very well aware of, that we lack peace in our kingdom. You know, I named six things. I could probably name just as many more, and I could probably start a riot in this place if I wanted to. Now, I don't think that I'm going to, but if you do decide to riot, could you rip up some carpet on your way out? Because we're trying to do some remodeling anyway, so just, that would help us. You know, these and other issues, we feel like our national anxiety is just through the roof right now. Some of you probably feel like you are at war with family members, with coworkers, with internet commenters because of your strong feelings on any number of these subjects. Our society feels like we're facing these constant tremors and there is a complete lack of peace. I don't know about you, but you know, I see one more person get shot and it turns into a debate. 
I see one more person accuse another of harassment or abuse, and it turns political, and my soul hurts. My soul aches for our world. My soul aches that our society can't seem to find a balance between rights and safety. My soul hurts that it seems like people are lashing out against a system that's unfair to them and others are not bringing, you know, people aren't bringing solutions to the table. I see the, the fighting and, 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 the, and the disunity and the lack of peace and my soul aches. And those of you who maybe, maybe you don't engage in, you know, these hot button topics, maybe you say, you know what, I don't like to talk about politics and other manners of unpleasantness. You, you aren't exempt from it either. Because, because even if you don't know what the issues are about, you feel the anxiety, you feel the lack of peace of people around you, and it raises the anxiety and the lack of peace in your own life, even if you don't know what everybody's so upset about. But at Christmas, as we celebrate Jesus Christ Emmanuel, God with us, we get to celebrate that this is a time that a king came to take his throne. We get to celebrate that the government is going to rest on his shoulders. No three branches, no two parties, the entire thing, the whole weight of it on him. And his government will reign in peace forever and ever. His government will reign with justice and fairness or righteousness for all eternity. And there's not gonna be election anxiety. They're not gonna have to worry about term limits. Just Jesus, the perfect light forever and ever. I mean, who could use a little perfect peace in their life? Who thinks we could use a little perfect peace in our world? And I'm not talking about just nations, you know, not shooting missiles at each other. I'm talking about real, true peace among the people. I mean, people not at each other over social issues. People not beating each other up to make a point. People not stepping over others to make sure that they get theirs. You know, people not in positions of power abusing others because of their position. We're talking about real peace. I mean, who would like to see a a, a world, a kingdom where it it is completely just, where the rule is completely right? I mean, true justice where no one ever has a grievance. Who would like to live in a kingdom where nothing unfair ever happens to you? Who would like to live in a place where every right decision is made every single time? I mean, if that sounds appealing to you, It's because you recognize that there is this brokenness in our world and it trickles down to a brokenness in all of our personal lives. But what you may or may not know is that Christmas is about Jesus coming to take his throne and to set it all right. That's why he came 
And you know, some of you who maybe have been, been following Jesus for a little while, some of you may take that for granted a little bit, you know, that Jesus should be the, the king of the world, that, that his kingdom is coming. Uh, but others among you who maybe are, you know, you're just kind of checking out this church thing because it's Christmas time or, or because you came with a family member who's really been wanting you to go. And, and you know, you, you may not just, uh, just see that it's like, why Jesus? Why is Jesus the one, what, you know, what, what gives him, him, him the right? What gives him the, the wisdom? Why does he get to take this place? And so I wanna look at that a little bit. I, wanna, uh, I want us to look in our Bibles at Hebrews chapter two, and we're gonna start in verse nine. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. Hebrews two, verse nine, it says this. It says, what we do see is Jesus, who for a little while, was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. So if you are a skeptic in the room, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ask, you to, I'm gonna ask you to concede a point to me for, for just a minute. And, and that point that I'm gonna ask for you to concede to me is this, that Jesus is the son of God. And I, and I know, I'm asking you to concede a fairly big point, uh, but know that it's one that a lot of us in the room either were open to the idea or were in full-on support of. And, and I'm gonna ask you that, and, and if in your mind, just to follow with me, you need to say, okay, well, you know, if Jesus is the son of God, that's okay. I, I, I'm not offended by that, that's all right. Um, but, but if you stick with us here at this church thing for a little while, I promise we're gonna tell you more about why we believe Jesus is the son of God. But right now, if you'll just, just kind of give me that one for a second, if Jesus is the son of God, then that means in order for him to come to earth, to come to be a human being, he had to leave a place of, of the absolute highest authority and honor, and he had to take a position that was much, much lower than the one that he had. You know, this, is a, this, is, this is undercover boss to the extreme happening right here. Like if, you, uh, if you're not familiar with the show, the premise, it's pretty simple. Somebody who is in a high up position in a company you know, will take the job of somebody who's in more of an entry level position. It's the, it's the CEO of the restaurant coming in and you know, making french fries. It's, the, you know, it's the, the president of the shipping company going to, to the dock and you know, helping to load trucks. Like, this is what Jesus did, but instead of being you know, a waiter or a janitor for a week, Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped in to a much lower position for over 30 years. Jesus willingly took that on himself. Jesus, who is the embodiment of justice, willingly stepped into injustice. Jesus, who is meant to rule and reign in righteousness and fairness for all of eternity, he, he surrounded himself willingly with unrighteousness in maybe one of the most unfair acts that has ever happened in the history of the world. Jesus, he, he experienced the full weight of living in a world lacking peace. Jesus' society was one where there were clear, distinct lines drawn between the cultural elites and everybody else. Jesus lived in a society where people were discriminated against because of their ethnicity or because of where they were from or because of where they grew up. You know, Jesus lived in a society where those who, who had the haves in the society didn't pay very much attention to the outcasts of the society. Jesus got to experience government corruption firsthand. He rubbed shoulders with tax collectors who had no problem, you know, 
collecting a few extra taxes just to line their own pockets. Jesus got to experience the corruptness of government at the highest level where the cultural elites actually conspired to bring false criminal charges against him. And then when they were, they were get the, able to get those charges to stick, they handed him over to an occupying government to be executed. Jesus stepped into unfairness. He, as well as anyone, knows what it's like to have your soul hurt for a world not right. And it's because he took this low position that he is just the right man to be crowned with glory and honor, to be crowned king. As we keep reading in Hebrews 2.9, it says, yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. God wants lots of people to be a part of his perfect kingdom. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. It was because Jesus was Emmanuel, because he was God with us, that he came and experienced the world and that he suffered in it as we suffered. It is because of that that he is fit to be our king. It is because he willingly left his high position and humbly took a lower position and did so for over three decades in perfect wisdom and humility. It's because he suffered as we suffered. It's because he, he's well acquainted with our suffering that he is meant to take that throne. I mean, if you want to talk about somebody that you would cast a vote for, I hope it would be somebody like this. Someone who would willingly give up a high position to take a very low one in humility. That it would be someone who, who experienced all of the hurts and all of the hardships and all of the temptations that we experience in life and yet navigated it without dropping the ball ever once. That it would be someone who, after making the right decision at every possible turn and everything that he did, that it was someone who, after everything that he experienced, chose to take death on on your behalf chose to step in front of a bullet that was headed for you so that you could live. Like this isn't somebody that I just want to cast my vote for. This isn't somebody that I just want to be seen the next you know, president. This is somebody that I want to bow down in front of and see declared as king. This is somebody who I want to see ruling and reigning in justice and peace for all eternity. And Kingsway, his experience, that's just one line on his resume. That's just one line of reasons why he should be declared king of the world. Back in Isaiah 9, verse 6, in one of the most famous you know, pre-New Testament passages that we have about Jesus, we see a little bit of his resume getting lined up. It tells us that he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we're going to get a touch on some of those resume line items here in the next few weeks of December. I'm just going to hit on the first one this morning, that he will be called Wonderful Counselor. 
If you're like me, whenever I first started looking at this passage, you might say, well, I don't, I don't see a natural connection to somebody being a, a counselor and somebody being, you know, qualified to have the government sit on their shoulders. Like, you know, maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I know my therapist and I don't want to see them running the government. And it's okay because they think the same thing about you. Um, kidding aside, counselor, counselors do incredibly important work. But... This, our modern idea of a counselor, it's, it's a little different than what Isaiah was talking about here. You see, a counselor, it's a title that was, that was sometimes applied to a king and sometimes even applied to God himself. He was called counselor. This wasn't somebody who was just, you know, well-equipped to help you dealing with some of the struggles that you're dealing with in your personal life, give you a little bit of advice. This is somebody who had the wisdom to advise a kingdom, this is somebody who could point them in the way that they should go. And it's not somebody who just offered advice. Like it's not somebody who you could just come to and they could say, hey, well, I think this would be a good way to go, but you know, you're gonna do what you're gonna do, take it or leave it. No, a, a king counselor is someone who spoke with authority. It was someone who could tell you, hey, this is the way that we should go and we are all going there. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this king counselor. He is the one who has this ultimate level of wisdom to guide his people with knowledge, with wisdom into living in true justice and peace. And I don't want us to, to lose sight of this word wonderful here, that he is called the wonderful counselor. You know, wonderful, wonderful for me, it's a little bit of, of a throwaway word. You know, I had a donut last week that was wonderful. You know, if I, if I could get a nap after service today, that would be wonderful. I even use wonderful in sort of a sarcastic when things aren't going so great kind of way. I go, wonderful. We, we sort of use wonderful just kind of, again, as a throwaway word for, you know, it's pretty nice. Not Isaiah. To Isaiah, this word wonderful was, it was meant in the truest, fullest sense of the word, full of wonder, astonishing, miraculous, something that you cannot comprehend or would have a hard time wrapping your mind around. Jesus is the full of wonder, the astonishing, the miraculous, the incomprehensible counselor. And he showed us this in the life that he lived. In his miraculous birth, the one that we celebrate here at Christmas time, he kicked it off with a bang. And then in his life, in the teaching that he gave that turned the world upside down, teaching the world things like love those who are against you, pray for your enemies, care for the widows and the orphans, the outcast of society. Jesus completely turning the world on its head with his teaching miraculously providing food to those who are hungry and healing those who are sick. And then at the end of it all, defeating death, defeating the grave by resurrecting, by coming back to life. He is truly wonderful in everything that he does. And Isaiah is telling us that we, that the counselor that Jesus is going to be, we don't even have a category in our minds for the kind of wisdom and guidance that he could bring. Jesus is the advisor who has the advice that can lead us out of the darkest situations, 
Those, those hot button topics, some of the ones that I mentioned before, like we probably think, man, we could never get our act together on this. Like we could never get this thing solved for, for us. But Jesus is the miraculous counselor. He is going to build and rule a kingdom where justice and peace are going to reign among a people who were once full of turmoil. Jesus is the one who has the ability to resolve those issues of anxiety that seem to plague our lives. I mean, as unimaginable as this thing is, Jesus is gonna rule a kingdom where everybody on the internet is nice to each other. This is what Jesus can do. This is the kingdom that he is ushering in. And you know, a little side note here, um, because today's message is really about us as a, as a people you know, it's about a corporate experience that we have together. But if Jesus is able to provide that level of counsel to guide an entire kingdom, he has the counsel, the wisdom, the guidance to pull you out of the darkest places in your life. Jesus can provide you with the counsel to lead you back from the things that you think you could never be led back from. I have seen through the work of Jesus Christ, I have seen marriages recovered after divorce papers had already been delivered. I've seen parents reconciled to sons and daughters who were so far gone. I've seen Jesus recover pornography addicts, drug addicts, alcoholics, gang members, and Patriot fans. Jesus can do incredible things. There is no place so dark in your life, there is no place so far gone that the wonderful counselor cannot guide you through if you will surrender your life to him. If you are willing to follow the counsel of the counselor, he is able to bring about good for anything in your life for those who are seeking his purposes. So if you're anything like me, you hear this and you say, it sounds good, but when? You know, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. We're celebrating, you know, 2,000 plus anniversaries of Christmases at this point, and it doesn't seem like the government's resting on his shoulders. It, 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 it doesn't seem like, like we're living in more peace. It doesn't seem like we're living in more justice. Like, it seems, if anything, things are just getting worse. It seems like if anything, people are more against each other, like there's more turmoil in the world than there has ever been before. So when, where is this wonderful counsel that Isaiah is talking about? And if you're feeling that, it's because you're living in this tension of the kingdom of God already come to earth, but that hasn't yet reached its full expression when Jesus comes back. Jesus came, we celebrate this at Christmas, that, that Jesus came to usher in his kingdom and what he wanted is as many people as possible to become citizens of that kingdom, to become reconciled to God, to find salvation in him because of the work that he did on the cross by dying for their sins. He wanted more and more people to see him as their savior and as their Lord. And he said that when I come back, that's when I bring the kingdom in. And so for us, if we want to see this, this kingdom in our, in our lives, if we wanna see the, this kingdom, the, the beginning of Jesus ruling and reigning with perfect peace, with perfect justice, you know, if we're asking when does it start, the answer to that is as soon as we start surrendering to him. 
as soon as you start surrendering your life to him. Because you know, wonderful counsel, perfect counsel, well, it doesn't amount, amount to a thing for someone who refuses to receive counsel. You know, perfect leadership, it, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you refuse to be led. This, this kingdom, this ruling and reigning of justice and peace, it begins whenever you say in your life that you want Jesus to be the king. You want him to rule and reign. It starts with surrender. This is one of, we, one of the reasons we love baptism here at Kingsway. Baptism is such an awesome picture of surrender. It's an opportunity that we get to take and we get to say, I need Jesus. I need him as my savior. I know that he died on a cross to take my sins, all of my errors, all of, all of the things I've done wrong in my life. I know that he died to take those away, but just as importantly, he died to be my Lord and my King. He died so that I would follow him, so that I would chase after what he wants for my life and not go after the things I want for myself so that I would be a citizen of his kingdom, not this kingdom that we have here on earth. And we get to go into those waters and we get to in complete surrender, allow ourselves to be placed under in this picture that is dying to our old selves and being raised again to new life in Jesus Christ. And we want to give you an opportunity to respond that way. If, if, you have, if you have never responded to Jesus by getting baptized and saying, I want him as my savior and my king, on Christmas Eve, we're gonna, we're gonna have services where, where we're saying, hey, this is a great time to go and follow him, to make that commitment. This is a great time to say, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to see you as my king, Lord Jesus. We would love to have you join us that day. Or if you're someone who has maybe been around church for a while, you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but you've never taken that step of obedience. You've never made the decision for yourself to go into those waters, to, to be baptized, to, to, to be immersed, and to, and to experience what it's like, uh, that a picture of death and rebirth. We would invite you to be a part of it Christmas Eve. And, and we don't know if, if four people are gonna do it or 40 but we're just praying that God would make us a church that is surrendered to Jesus Christ. If that's something that you're interested in, you can text the word baptism to our number here. You can text baptism to 317-565-4911 and we'll get you set up. Uh, if you don't like texting random numbers that people give you on a screen, you wanna go to our church app or you wanna go to our website. If you go to our Next Steps page, you can click on Get Baptized and you can find it there too. We would love to have you join us. Join us as a church that is surrendered to Christ because you know that's the next step. The next step to seeing Jesus on his throne is not just us being surrendered individuals but us being a church that is surrendered to Jesus. Christ's kingdom, it may not be you know, fully, fully realized here on earth yet, but we as the church, we get to be a part of bringing Christ's kingdom here on earth. We get to be a part of bringing his justice, bringing a, being a force for his peace in the world, wherever it is that he has sent us. If we are living surrendered lives to him, we get to bring that about. Wherever we're following his wonderful counsel and, and following his direction instead of living for ourselves, 
wherever we're allowing him to rule and reign and not just chasing after the things of the earthly kingdom that we've been placed into. We as the church, we are a part of the kingdom of God and that we are, we are an invading nation in the nations that we have been placed in all over the world. We have been sent We have been sent to go and share the message of Jesus to the United States, to Mexico, to Haiti, to India, and to all of the other places that Jesus has sent us to go. We have been sent into the world just as Jesus came into the world for us. In 2 Corinthians, we're told that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are actually agents of the government that is sitting on Christ's shoulders. That's what we've been sent to do. We've sent to be ambassadors for him, to bring the justice that Jesus wants to bring, to bring the peace that Jesus wants to bring, to, to have it among ourselves, to model it for the world out there, and anytime we get the opportunity to press for it in our world. We are ambassadors for Christ, given the ministry of reconciliation. We as Christians have been called to reconcile people to God, to help lead them to their Savior, Jesus Christ, so that they will bow down to him as king and become citizens of the kingdom of God. And we anticipate that day whenever Jesus comes back to bring his kingdom, because on that day, every knee will bow Every tongue will declare that Jesus is king and we want to see as many people as possible do so as citizens of the kingdom of God because they've been reconciled to him through Jesus. And so for us, it's our responsibility to recognize something. It's that the United States and Hear me, I consider it a privilege to live here, but it's that the United States is not a kingdom destined for eternity. It has an expiration date, just like every other kingdom on earth. And so whenever these issues, these big, you know, anxiety-raising issues come up in our world, our responsibility isn't to look at them, you know, liberally or conservatively or like a Democrat or like a Republican. Our responsibility is to look at them as ambassadors for Christ. Our responsibility is to live as agents of the government that will be on his shoulders and us take the side of Christ. Whatever that side may be, the side of Christ that will see people reconciled to him. That is our call. That is our service to the throne of Jesus. That is our service to the king. We're gonna move into a time of communion this morning. We're gonna take this opportunity where we, we take a piece of bread and it reminds us of Jesus' body that was nailed to a cross for us. And we're gonna take a cup of juice that reminds us of Jesus' blood that was poured out to cover our sins that he gave on our behalf so that we could live. And as we take this time this morning, I would ask that you would just think about surrender. That we have a savior, Jesus Christ, who came out of heaven, who stepped into this world, who stepped into the unfairness, into the injustice, into the unrighteousness on our behalf, and that he is a king worth surrendering to. Because he saved us, because he loved us, 
because he is our wonderful counselor, because he is king. Kingsway, would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. We thank you for what it teaches us about you. Lord Jesus, as we step into this time of communion, we just thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross for our sins. We thank you for giving up your body. We thank you for giving up your blood on our behalf for something that was so unfair to happen to you, but for our sake. Lord, in this time, I pray that we would be a people who would want to surrender. Lord, that we would surrender our lives individually to you as king. Lord, that we would surrender our church to you as king. And that we would live as citizens of a greater kingdom that we would be your ambassadors here on earth, bringing about the justice and the peace and the righteousness that we know that you are bringing with your kingdom. We wanna reconcile people to you. We wanna see more people know Christ. We give this time over to you. We surrender our lives to you. It is in your name that we pray, dear Lord Jesus, amen.